0: Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker Adam Strong.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience. I am so super pumped about today's show. Uh, we have the amazing Alan Cleanham's. I hope I've said that correctly, by the way. Um, <laughs> but anyway, who is Alan for the people that you that don't know him? He is. Um, where well, he's actually uh, a Tony Robbins elite trainer uh, or was an elite trainer. I'm sure that you are still an elite trainer. Uh, you've, uh, he's, um, Alan's also uh, been on the stage for the last 20 years in the, in the areas of entrepreneurship, self-leadership, self-mastery and awareness, communication and leadership, which I absolutely love. Um, he's also been on the stages and been an honorary member of the YES group uh, with our good friend cole uh cole Pe- pearson i believe and i mean it's a real privilege we've also got we we also because we have so many different friends as well jp being one of us uh who's a good friend of ours and alan is originally from south africa and also set up the um speaker association back over in south africa as well is one of the founding members for that as well so alan just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today thanks for having me adam I'm super pumped about today. Uh, I know it's going to be a great show. I can already feel. You know, we were talking about this offline, right? Mm. And uh, when you meet someone and you feel, you think, "Wow, I can already feel that energy," right? It's that. Do you ever get that when you meet someone?
0: Yeah, for sure. Energy is infectious, you know. And um, uh, I, I mean, I talk a lot about energy. Energy is such a, such an important thing, a part of life, right?
1: Absolutely, 100%. So, um, I mean, I literally, I've got so many questions to ask you. It's ridiculous. So, we'll see. Where, we're going to have some fun on today's show, guys. And uh, more importantly, um, take notes. Uh, if you're listening to this in the gym or if you're uh, out in transit or whatever it is, take notes because honestly, some of the things that myself and, and Alan are going to be talking about, we're going to blow you away. So, i um, super excited about that. But I want to go back. If I may, Alan, because I know that you were in the military back in the 80s and that kind of stuff. And you've been in the area of entrepreneurship from, I guess, the early 90s, I suppose, in a way. Right. And then you read Think and Grow Rich. Right. Which is which is a fantastic book by Napoleon Hill. And um, what for you, what was the reason? What were your big takeaways from that book? And what was what was the conscious decision once you read that book? What were the decisions that you thought? You know what? I've read this book. This is what I'm going to do next. Uh, well, the first thing that struck me about that book was that um,
0: when when I read the line, "Every adversity has within it the seed of an equivalent of greater benefit," um, you know, the first time I read that line, my brain said, "That's BS." Uh, <laughs> there was like a um, my brain balked at that line and said, "Well, you know, I've just come out of the military. I've just been in Angola for seven months. You know, uh, taking part in the bloodiest war in Africa as it was known." and um you know how can that you know how can that have any kind of benefit or any kind of you know how can there be any seed of any benefit within that kind of experience um but i but i remembered what my friend had said to me when he gave me the book he said listen read this book as if the author is talking to you across a coffee table pay attention uh, because this book holds you know so much value and so much gold and in fact the book had the the cover of the book at that time in 1988 the cover was a pile of gold bullion and um uh you know just these gold bricks stacked on top of each other. And I remember being impressed by the cover. And um, so I wrote that sentence down and I put it on the wall and I contemplated that sentence over and over and over. And the second thing that struck me about the book was, is the secret that, that Napoleon Hill talks about, the secret that the book holds, you know, that whatever your mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And, um, and I really took that away and I thought, wow, you know, you know, whatever I really focus on and whatever I believe is possible for me, um, you know, then, you know, he's telling me that that's achievable, you know? And very soon after that, you know, I, um, I got my first job and, um, and then I started making some really good money and I got into sales and, um, and I was just, and I became a reader, you know, and that, that was a book that started everything for me. It just, um, it, it was also another thing that I took away from that book that I talk about a lot is, um, he talks about specific and organized knowledge mm. and that, you know, you need specific and organized knowledge. You can't rely on general knowledge, you know, knowledge from college or school or university is general knowledge. It's theory it's uh It's old, you know it's dated. It's, the- it's, it's, it's theoretical books that have been written so long ago, you know textbooks that have been written ages ago, and he said you need specific and organized knowledge and you need to apply it in a specific and organized way and I remember those were the three things that really enjoyed that I enjoyed about that book specifically
1: mm. it, It's interesting you know I was I actually interviewed recently um Sharon Lecter, who, who you will know anyway I know Sharon yeah. um, and uh, she's a, she's a great person, and uh, we were talking about how the education system you know around the world is just kind of so outdated and why why our children don't get taught about you know we all get taught well certainly I was and maybe you were is that we are taught to our parents taught us how to get good grades go to university and get a good job right that was the that was the mindset right but but in today's world you know, for me, I'm encouraging my kids to go to school, get good grades, go open a good business. Right. Yeah. And uh, and be an entrepreneur and, and do what you love and do what you're passionate. And if entrepreneurship is is not for you, then that's OK. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know about your thoughts on that, but uh, I don't know why, you know, why, why schools, colleges and universities still to have update this system, right? this system, this, you know, because it creates this mindset. For a lot of people, and people feel that they, there's not many options or choices out there. What do you think about that?
0: Um, well, I think there's plenty of options and choices out there. You know, the opportunities are endless. Um, you know, opportunities are everywhere, but it really depends on what. Oh, you know, are we willing to be open to them? Are we willing to believe that? First of all, is it is about belief essentially, and um, you know, we must remember that we're creative by nature, and so um, we've got to enc- we've got to encourage children to be creative. You know, unfortunately, the system does it it discourages, it discourages creativity. You know, we teach children to answer questions uh, we don't teach them to ask questions, you know, and um, children who ask questions are often told to keep quiet, uh, which is a real shame. Mm. Um, so it's important for parents to encourage their children to be creative. I, I encourage my children to read outside of the schooling curriculum. You know, they read books outside of the curriculum. Um, you know, I encourage them to read books on psychology, you know, read um, books on personal performance on success on um, you know, Creativity, etc., to to spark their own creativity because uh, we've got to be doing that for children. But yeah, the opportunities are endless. You know, we live in a very, very um, in a world that's you know just unbelievable the way we live. You know, think about the kinds of freedoms that we enjoy, the kinds of um, the kinds of abundance that we enjoy, the kinds of wealth that, that is available, uh, and it's available to everyone. But you have to be creative, and you have to be you have to tap into your own self. You know, and you've got to be um, this. So many things that take that there's so many variables about that you know we could talk about that forever you know
1: <laughs> it's it's a whole new it's it's a whole can of worms uh and and i love and i love talking about it and kind of especially because we've both got kids anyway and yeah. and things like that so we kind of share the same sentiment <laughs> uh, i know that your area of expertise is all around self-mastery and and, and self-leadership right that that's yeah. kind of your realm if you like um but where did you like you mentioned about thinking, grow rich. How did you make the transition from reading that book into becoming an expert of that? What was, I mean, where was, where did the interest spark for you on that? Um, well, it, it, obviously, it, it started with that book,
0: and then I just became an avid reader. And um, you know, I uh, the, actually the first three books that I ever read, uh, I remember that I remember the first three, I, and then after there was just a whole bunch of them. But um, I read Mind Power by John Keogh after Thinking, Grow Rich. And, um, and, you know, in subsequent years, John has become a friend of mine. And, um, you know, he's done a lot of work in South Africa over the years. Mm-hmm. And then the third book I read was You Can Heal a Life by Louise Hay. And then I started reading, you know, Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, Jim Rohn, Dennis Waitley, um, you know, uh, Brian Tracy was a big, I was a big fan. And um, Bob, um, uh, sorry, um, the, the, the guy, who, the initial sales guy, um, Tom Hopkins, I was a big fan of Tom Hopkins uh, because I got into sales. And, um, and then I just arrived in London. The first book I bought was Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. When I arrived in London in 1990, that was my first introduction to NLP. And uh, I was fascinated by that. And then I, you know, I studied NLP. And then I just, um, I became this reader. And initially my, my, my motivation initially was the fact that I, I was a kid that grew up with very, very low self esteem. I grew up in a very tough neighborhood. I grew up next to a police station for the first six years of my life. Mm. um, in racist South Africa during, you know, I was born in 66. And so from 66 through to 72 living next door to point road police station. in the one of the, in probably the toughest neighborhood in Durban at that time. Mm. And, um, you know, there was a very, very harsh education on, uh, on the brutality of the racism in South Africa. Uh, I used to see things in the police yard next door that really, you know, shocked me. And, um, I didn't tell anyone about it because I thought I'd get into trouble. Uh, but they they affected me, you know. Um, they made me feel very unsafe. And then throughout my schooling career, I went to two private schools, all boys, all white, um, very um, hierarchical. Uh, you know, a lot of initiation, a lot of a lot of fighting, a lot of bullying, a um, lot of teasing, that kind of thing went through. Um, I was and I was the recipient of a lot of that. And so to shape my identity, it shaped my my um, self esteem was very low. And then obviously I went into the military, and I had a very very um, heavy experience in angola where i was at war for seven months and um, had to do some terrible things i was a um an rpg seven rocket holder and, um, and a patrol motorist so i was dropping 60 millimeter mortars in close combat and uh, using rpg seven rockets you know to um to take out enemy vehicles and um so that shaped my identity too that also shaped my psychology in a big way came out of that with post-traumatic stress so um and i suffered with that for about nine years and i became a drinker and um, i was taking drugs every day i was numbing myself i was locking myself away in my bedroom i didn't trust myself around people so when i came across Think and go rich which was referred to me and recommended to me by a friend of mine who was in the same operation as me in angola and he was very smart at 21 years of age i mean the most one of the most emotionally mature people i've ever met um and in subsequent years he was killed in a car accident so he, I often, you know malcolm was my earth angel and now is one of my angels um, but he was the one who actually told me to read thinking rich and he told me to be a reader and told me to take this information and use it to understand what Angola had done to my psychology and what it was affect, how it was affecting me. So my, initially my motivation for studying was how can I fix myself? Uh, as soon as I began to study psychology and began to understand it, I began to see that I had the four most limiting paradigms that we can hold as human beings. Uh, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I don't fit in and it's not available to me. And uh, you know these four paradigms, I had all four of them. And um, so the more I studied, the more my motivation was like, how can I understand myself, and how can I really understand how I can get past my own suffering? How can I, how can I put my own, you know, my own limiting paradigms to bed, so that I could actually find some happiness, you know, and I could actually find some confidence in myself, so that I could actually find some a decent level of living, you know, in myself. Mm-hmm. I had no ideas about what I wanted to do in the future. To be honest, I had zero ideas. Um, but it wasn't until 1994, actually, when I was in London, and I went to the Landmark Forum, um, and I did the forum here in London with a guy called David yeo an Australian uh, facilitator, and he was Landmark's most successful facilitator for years and years and years. And within a few minutes of him being on the stage, there was 350 people in the room. I didn't even know I was there. I just enrolled the program because I was hanging out with a girl at the time who was in the program. And she said, you should do this program with me. I said, I'm cool. I'm coming. And, uh, <laughs> I find myself in this room and it's like one of the first it, it's, it was probably the first personal development workshop I'd done. Every other workshop before that was all about sales. It was just sure. sales workshops. Right. And I was becoming a very good salesperson. However, I was good at selling, but inside I felt like, you know, I w- it was a mask, you know? And, uh, when I sat in the landmark forum, and we went to work on what was happening inside of us and how we were showing up in relationships, especially the relationship with our parents, the penny dropped for me and I just thought, wow, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to find out how do you facilitate transformation in people where you help them with their relationships? Because I recognized first and foremost that I had no relationship with my parents, Mm -hmm. uh, that I had a very, very tempestuous relationship with my father And, um, and that really affected me as a young boy, you know? Uh, because my father was very popular, very gregarious. Um, everybody knew him in Durban and, um, and I felt very intimidated by that. It was very big shoes to fill and we didn't have a relationship at 26 years of age. I walked out of that workshop, picked up the phone in the middle of that workshop on a Saturday afternoon and phoned my father and said Dad, dad, we need to have a conversation. And we had a 90 minute conversation and I just told him exactly, you know, what I thought about him, the, the beliefs I'd been carrying about our relationship, you know, the beliefs I had about my father, as a young boy, what I believed that he thought about me. And, know, um, I just opened up to him and we actually, we healed that relationship in that conversation and we became best friends on that phone call. We actually fell in love with each other for the first time. Um, and that was a really healing process for me actually. And then I just thought, wow, you know, this is what I want to learn about. I want to learn about, you know, I want to learn about human beings. I want to learn about how, you know, how people transform and transition uh, in their own lives. And then it wasn't until 96 that I actually got the idea that I wanted to become a speaker. Uh, And then it took me four years to get on a stage just to develop the courage. Um, And then I got on a stage here in London at the London Yes Group Uh, shortly after I became a member there in 1999. And I was offered an opportunity to speak in 2000 at the King's College in front of 600 members. Uh, It was um, an extremely terrifying experience. I was terrified, (laughs) Um, terrified partly because of the fact that I held this belief about the fact that I could never stand on a stage because that... When I was at boarding school, I was forced to stand on the stage in front of the whole school and give an impromptu talk, which I completely destroyed um, and completely hashed. Uh, and so many years later, standing on the stage in King's College in front of 600 people, my legs shaking like, like reeds in the wind, um, my hands sweating. Um, you know, I, was like, it, I often referred to it as I was spaghetti. It was like <laughs> spaghetti bolognese on the, on the audience. You know? um, there was no structure. There was there was zero, but the feedback I got afterwards was the passion and intensity was through the roof, you know. Yeah. And if I could get some structure, uh, then there was a there was a good chance that I could become a good speaker. You know, this is the feedback I had from Peter Sage actually, at the time, and um, I'm sure you know Peter Sage. Yes. Um, and so um, and Carl Pearsall, you know, the founder of the S Group. Yes. And um, so in 2001, I went back to South Africa after you know studying, having all these studies. And I had this intention to go and make a difference in South Africa. And I thought, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna start my career as a coach or a speaker, facilitator, why not start in South Africa where I grew up, right, and, and come back there with all this stuff that I'd learned about myself, um, all this knowledge I'd picked up around psychology and around you know, understanding post-traumatic stress, understanding mm-hmm. trauma, mm-hmm. understanding um, you know, performance psychology. And, um, and it was the best thing I ever did because um, it, it was a, I launched a fantastic career I worked with the Natal Sharks rugby team. I worked with some of the Springbok rugby players. I worked with them in the South African netball team. I worked with a with a with a um, a world champion, Paul Volta. And um, I, I worked with the police, the military, and um, and that's where I became, you know, that's where I became one of the founders of the South African of the it was at that time the National Speaking Association of South Africa, which then became the Professional Speaking Association of South Africa, and then was we were in, included into the and incorporated into the Global Federation of Professional Speakers and um and that organization is has grown grown and grown every year now now there's thousands of members and it's it's brilliant you know it's um they're doing wonderful work out there, supporting fledgling speakers, fledgling coaches mm. and um providing workshops for speakers and um and obviously coaches and yeah it's it's, it's it was awesome seven years I had out then we came back to England in two thousand eight and then I took my career international. you know so that is um a long answer to your question was, um, I didn't know. You know, and I was talking about this the other day, Adam. I did not know all those years ago when I picked up Think and Go Rich at 21 years of age, seven months out of the military, conflicted, angry, volatile, um, drunk all the time, um, high all the time. I didn't know that I would be doing the work I'm doing now, which is helping people to heal deep trauma, you know. Um, And I love the work I do. And I, you know, I specialize in spiritual psychology and self mastery. And my favorite subject is consciousness, you know. And, um, and so, you know, you and I have got a lot in common, it's about, you know, we, we love helping people to, to grow, you know, whether it's in business, or in life, and the two are linked, we need to be, we, you can't get away, you know, you can't get away from the, the two are married, you know, business and life. Nowadays, we look at us now where we, we all running our businesses from home, right? Because we can't go out and work. <laughs> now, when I say all of us, obviously, not all of us, but there's a vast majority of people who are now working from home, they're entrepreneurs. You know, the, the idea of the entrepreneur has exploded, you know, entrepreneurship has is, is been growing for many years. But now I really think that people are starting to look at it as a brand new opportunity because they've been forced to do so, you know, mm. uh, they've, they've been lost, they lost their jobs, lost their businesses. Um, now they're thinking, what can I do from home? And people have become very creative. I don't know. I'm sure you've noticed, mm-hmm. right? All this stuff online, people finding out that they can paint, people finding out they can write, people finding out they can play piano, you know, or they can get into music. There's so many things. Yeah? It's a wonderful time
1: for us, man. Definitely. And I absolutely agree with you on that 100 percent. And it's interesting. So I picked up some really interesting points from your speech there because my uncle was actually in the military. And I don't know if it's the same in South Africa and stuff, but did you ever feel that did you ever feel abandoned by your country or by the army? And then it's kind of like, oh, well, you finished the the army, now off you go type of thing. And then I see just so many military personnel, you know, and I'm sure there's a few few people listening in where they have this abandonment issue. They don't know what to do with themselves, right? And then suddenly you'll get a, a small minority of people like yourself that has read a great book and then they've moved on to great things. But then there's so many people that are still... Gone the, the opposite way, right? Which is really sad, don't you think?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it is. Um, you know, I, I when I when I at my last final parade, um, you know, when I was given my medals, etc., and um, I shook General Magnus Malan's hand, um, and I remember he said, "Thank you for your service, young man, and uh, have a great life." And uh, I was just I, I was happy to be out of the military, and I was only too pleased to be going home right, for the <laughs> final time. Um, I was also given uh, my particular intake, my particular battalion, uh, because we had been in Angola for seven months. We were given um, relief from camps, so we never had to go back to another camp. Uh, but camps was a very camps was a was a permanent uh, fixture of the military. You know, once you had done the military, you had to go back to regular camps. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was um, I was given a freebie from that. I was so happy about that. Um, <laughs> but yes, we did. I did, I did think at the time that we had very little support, you know, considering we had just come out of Angola and we were largely traumatized by that experience.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: what we had done and seen, um, you know, things that people should never have to do and see, you know, um, ever in their lifetime. You know, we, we like, we you know a lot of us, a lot of men like watching war movies you know, war movies are very popular. Um, because, um, you know, they, for, for a number of different reasons, I think directors like to demonstrate the, 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 the atrocity of war as well as the effect of war on the human psychology and on relationships. Um, and yes, it does definitely do that and I think a lot of military people do feel abandoned by their countries because of the fact that there's very little support and very little help. and the support and help that is available is very it's just um, it's lacking in so many ways you know mm. uh,
1: I agree absolutely uh, agree. But anyway, uh, I want to move on to something else because you, you there was something that you said. Within your talk just a second ago, right? and one of them, and 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 you will all be Rick because you're you know you're an expert in terms of self awareness, and a lot of our business, a lot of our listeners are business owners and entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the big things that I see right now are people that live with big egos and they live in this fantasy land. I just. I don't get it right i don't understand where these egos and fantasy you know living in this big fantasy land and you mentioned about people wearing this fake mask yeah. why is it that people choose to live a life like that where does it come from and you know what is it that what do they need to do to kind of i suppose shift you know from from that state because it is a state of mind more than anything else to the new state of mind
0: um it's well it I mean it comes it goes all the way back to our youth, you know, because of the fact that we misaligned from our truth as soon as we're born. You know, we 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 encouraged uh to follow certain rules, we encourage to follow certain thinking patterns. Uh we we get put into certain boxes. Uh children are not encouraged to be creative. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, business, I love business, I love entrepreneurship. I love, I've worked with I work with a lot of business people, I work with a lot of professional people, and I've met a lot of people who are very, very successful and yet they're still very unhappy. You know, they they still cannot find um, the ability to smell the roses as they go through the journey of life. You know, and it's such an important thing to do is to be able Mm -hmm. to enjoy the process, not just be fixated on the goal. There's so many of us that are fixated on the outcome because we believe, we we, we don't realize that unconsciously we've been indoctrinated into this belief system that when we get somewhere, we're going to be happy. And when we achieve something, we'll be happy. And that's what we teach our kids since they're born, you know. You got to be first, you know. You got to be on the top of the podium, you know. You got to win. You got to get A's. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to get a good degree. You got to get, got to get the best job. You got to make the most money. You know. You got to be the best, and and so that unconsciously, unfortunately, then indoctrinates into thinking that we about being when we get to be when we get there, whatever the best resonates or whatever whatever is associated to that that term, that we're going to feel happy, and so we don't teach people to be happy on the way. And because of the way we've encouraged or the the system that we have set up, the economy that we have, the way the economy is set up, the way the world is set up, the way we interact with people, each other, you know, internationally, um, our civilization, let's say, the way we've set up our civilization, it does not encourage, it doesn't encourage people being authentic. And this is the biggest problem that we have in the world today. Um, We do not encourage people being authentic. We encourage people... You know, if you just look at social media, social media is about encouraging people to. You know, if you just look at um, what people put on social media, you know, and um, in terms of putting our best self forward, you know, and you know, putting images on social media that we look good. We, you know, we social media is uh, quite frankly one of the biggest um, challenges I see about social media is it's it's full of people putting themselves online with hardly any clothes on. Um, you know, um, men and women, right? Um, you know, men flexing their muscles, women, you know, bearing their they're, they're all, right? Um, <laughs> and, and, and again, it's like, you know, and, and what, it, what it says, and I remember my father told me this as a young boy, right? He always told me, you know, um, be careful about, he said, you know, you, you never want to portray yourself as, as something you're not. Um, he always told me to, to judge people by their character. And he said, you know, character is very important. You know, manners, you know, um, courtesies, you know, uh, small things like get, you know. And he, the first book my father gave me to read, actually, at the age of 16, which I never read until I was in my 20s, was How to Win Friends and Influence People. And Dale Carnegie, such a powerful book, still to this day, such a Classic. powerful book. Classic. I was just telling my son the other day, I said, man, you've got to read that book. It's brilliant. <laughs> and, um, you know, this whole thing about being unauthentic and the way the civilization is set up the way we the way we encourage our kids to be you know so we we all these people are growing up with these masks of these identities and also you know one of the biggest contributors you know if you look at children and you've got two young children right now and is um is is the effect uh, of our own behavior around them and what it does to their 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 consciousness their belief system their self-esteem their ideas of who they are we have to be so careful now you know, more and more people are becoming aware of the fact of how we raise children, you know, conscious parenting, uh, you know, um, but still there's so much unconscious parenting going on because people are just doing the best they can. They're trying to survive. And unfortunately, there's so many broken homes. You know, I was listening to um, um, a conversation the other day on Black Lives Matter, and I was listening to some of these black leaders, and they were talking about one of the biggest challenges in, in um, the communities, in, especially in America. Uh, is, um, is young black men growing up without fathers, you know, growing up without mm. father figures and what an impact that has on a, on a young boy um, and what a negative impact it has, you know. And so, you know, there's so many challenges that cause us to be inauthentic and therefore then we also are misaligned from our truth. You know, um, I firmly believe that we need to really find out who we are deeply inside of ourselves, who we are, what t- makes us tick, what makes our own soul come alive because we are mind and soul, we are mind, body and soul. We are not just the mind, you know, we are not just about achieving, we are about being. And so we have to learn how to be happy on the way to whatever we are looking to achieve. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges for us as human beings.
1: I completely agree. It's interesting, we were talk- when you were talking about belief systems and around, I suppose, people's perceptions around people, around judgments and for me i don't know about you but it, you know if if you know if people see me on social media or whatever it is you know i i really don't give a give a shit you know what people think about me at the end yeah. of the day right that that's just how i work that's how i operate but then yeah. i know other people out there that really do care about the way they look the way they feel and the way they show up yeah. right i mean i'd love for you to give some tips about people who especially society today in the entrepreneurial world, especially in business and, and that kind of stuff, you have any tips or advice about, you know, about being a fake, right? <laughs> being a fake and living through, not living authentically more than anything else.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a great question is that, and it's not that people intend to be fake. No. Um, but what is is? but what, we also have this phrase about fake it till you make it, you know? And, and I just hate that phrase, you know, um, <laughs> Uh, I, a long time ago, I, told, I, I started using faith it till you make it. You know, I tell people, hey, don't say faith it till you make it. Say faith it till you make it because you have to have a certain amount of faith until you get there. And you've got, you know, faith is important because you've got a, you've got a, you know, if you've got an idea to start a business, I mean, you've got no references for if it works out. You've, if you've never done anything like that before, you've got zero confidence. You've got zero belief in yourself. All you have is, is, is the idea that it can work because other people have done it before or other people are doing it. And you've read stories about how other people have made it happen. So you think, okay, well, maybe I can do the same thing. So you need a lot of faith. But if you're encouraging people to fake it, or if you're encouraging, if you're telling your children, hey, listen, you need to fake it till you make it, that's not the right way to do it. Um, So, you know, this whole thing about what people are really afraid of, Adam, is they're really afraid to let people see them, you know, Mm. they're really afraid to let people see who they are, because they are so worried about the fact that if people see who they really are, they might leave you know this whole thing about not being loved you know of of losing love or being unlovable it's so deep in people this whole thing about not being worthy it's so deep in people i mean this is what drives a lot of very successful people mm. this this lack of worth this lack of self-worth and they don't even realize it but what they've done is they've turned that lack of self-worth that fear into a tremendous drive and that drive is awesome however it becomes unhealthy after a period of time. If you're not looking after yourself at a deep level, if you're not really finding out what is this, what is this incessant need to keep filling this in this void, right? This internal void, because that's what creates illness. That's what, that's what drives people to cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, if you like take someone like a perfect example, Steve jobs, you know, Steve jobs, $15 billion in personal assets, you know, a company was worth 70 billion when he died, you know, but he died. And, he, and, and how did he die? His body ate him from the inside. His own body ate him alive, right? That's called cancer. Mm-hmm. And why would your own body turn on you? Because something is tremendously out of sync. You know, if your own body eats you with a body, then the, the human body, and I, you know, I've studied I've studied on all kinds of disciplines of <laughs> nutrition and you know, neurology and physiology. And um, you know, you have to look at, you know, we are mind, body and spirit. You know, we are also achievers but we also learn how, need to learn how to, how to take care of what's inside. And if we're not taking care of what's inside, what's inside is going to turn on itself. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what disease is. Mm-hmm. Disease is yourself turning on itself. And so why does that happen? Something must be out of sync. And that's the relationship that they have with ourselves. So a lot of driven people are driven by this need to fill this internal void. They don't even know it's available. They don't even know it's there. They just know that, you know, I just can't quite put my finger. I work with a lot of successful business people. They say, you know, I'm happy. I've got a great business, I've got a great wife, great husband, great kids, live in a nice house, drive a nice car, a lot of great friends, great social life. But, you know, I just can't quite put my finger on it. But, you know, something, you know, I wake up early in the morning, you know, half past four in the morning and and my mind is racing, you know, and I think, okay, cool, I better get up and do some work, right? Um, But that getting up and doing some work, you know, it's still not feeding that there's something there. And people say, what is that? That's the call of your soul, man. That's the call of your soul. Your soul is calling to you It's saying, hey, listen, you need to give some attention to me inside here. Um, and that drives people to be, you know, that's this whole thing about being afraid of people letting them see them. So they are being driven to be something that they're not. When we're kids, we have these experiences, these traumatic experiences that shape our psychology, that shape our self-esteem, they shape our identity. And then we form an identity because we believe by being some, by being, by, by, being a certain way, it's going to meet our needs. And then we end up living into this false identity, supported by these false beliefs that we're not enough. And then we learn about how to be achievers and how to be the best, et cetera. And, and that we've, we've, we've got to do well. We've got to do well. We've got to compete. We've got to keep up with the Joneses. And then that's how people fall into these false identities. And no, they don't even realize it. No, and then all they know is that they're not really
1: happy. Yeah. They're not really happy. It's interesting because uh, when you say, because I use that word, keeping up with the Joneses, quite a lot and and I, from my perspective it's i don't know about you but especially people in the business and entrepreneurial world right now okay yeah. and uh, and people especially in society not the entrepreneurial society especially right i see it all the time i have conversations with people and you know with social media going on it's the whole kind of comparing people to where where, where they're at in terms of their life you know, just because you might see someone successful on social media doesn't necessarily mean they live a successful life, right? Would Absolutely. you agree? Absolutely, 100%, 100%.
0: What, we, what people put online is definitely not about what's really going on. <laughs> and, 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 and you and I both know that because we both, we've both met people, you know, I mean, I know people, I know people, you know, I know people and I know, I know them online, I know them offline. And, um, you know, we're all doing the best we can. You know, this is not, yeah. this is not to take pot shots at anybody, you know, listen... No. People, my one of my firm beliefs, you know, one of the one of the foundation, one of the one of the, the underlying premises of, of, of NLP is that everyone's got their own map of the world and everyone's doing the best they can with the resources they have, and so we're all doing the best we can. But what we need to remember is that everybody's driven by the same fears. Everybody's driven by this fear of not being enough. Mm-hmm. You, know, I'm, you know, I've got to make sure that I'm enough because my neighbors are doing well and they've just bought themselves a Jaguar or they've just bought themselves you know, a Maserati, or they have just bought themselves, you know, a new, a new Ferrari, or the neighbors have just bought themselves a nice four by four, you know, I need to upgrade my car, right? Because I'm living in the same street, we live on, we we basically living on top of each other, especially in big cities like London. And um, we see, you know, we see what's happening with other people online, offline, and that, dro- that, that, that stirs our own fears, it triggers our own fears that we're not, that we're not doing well enough. And, um, and then, you know, really what is well enough? You know, what's interesting, Adam, I'm sure you've seen, what's interesting about this whole COVID-19 now for all of us, and I've you know, um, coaching my clients through this whole process, some very successful people in America, uh, you know, people people with offices in multiple countries, in Dubai, et cetera, um, and right at the beginning of lockdown, you know, I gave them four questions. I said, listen, you know, okay, what are you gonna focus on? You know, what are you gonna make it mean? What are you gonna do? Who are you gonna be? That's all you need to focus on those four questions this whole time, and then you can, that's how, that's gonna help you to transition your business. And, um, and a lot of them were able to do it very successfully. However, you know, what this whole time has taught us, it's, it's actually been a forced pause, you know? It's been a forced pause and, all, uh, and listen, there's, there's, there's positives and negatives that have come out of this. There's some massive negatives, like huge, huge negatives. And we'll see that we're gonna still see the repercussions of those negatives going forward. We're gonna see the repercussions of those negatives in terms of the loss of employment, know the rises in suicide the rises in depression and anxiety and domestic violence in child abuse in all kinds of things right Mm. we're going to see that in drug abuse in drinking everything however there's been some massive positives and what people have been forced to do is they've been forced to pause and reflect on what's important they've been forced to realize actually you know what i don't need all that stuff i don't need all that stuff you know what i mean all i need is my neighbors, all I need is my my my, my sister, my husband, my, my children. All I need is my family. All I need is this connection, this human connection. I don't need all this stuff. And I've been speaking to a lot of people who have realized, who've made that realization that actually, you know what? There's so much stuff they have that actually, they didn't really even, they didn't even use it while they were in lockdown. All they were interested in was I need someone to talk to. I need someone to hug. I need someone to, you know, to hang out with. I need somebody. How can I help my neighbors? You know, I'm going to help those people over there. They they need help, you know, and communities have tightened up, you know,
1: compassion, kindness has gone up, which
0: has been wonderful,
1: you know? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, right? So (laughs) I remember having a conversation a couple of years ago, Alan, right? And I met someone really super successful. He was Russian and Uh, And and by the way, he wasn't doing anything dodgy. I just wanted to kind of say that, right?
0: (laughs) No, 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 let me, and let me, and also let let me support you with that. I love Russia. I've got lots of clients in Russia. I've, I've got lots of followers in Russia. I've got a big following in Russia. I've been going to Russia for years. I lived in Moscow in 1998, actually. It's a wonderful place full of wonderful people. So,
1: so all the stories about corruption, right? This doesn't apply to this story, okay? But, <laughs> but listen, I, I met someone a couple of years ago, and we had this conversation and uh, built up his business. He was actually a multi, multi-millionaire. And, um, and I'm sure that you've heard of the story of, they, you know, you've met someone who's super successful. They've got all of this stuff, right? They've got the big mansion, the big lo- lovely houses and that kind of stuff. They were, yeah. they were married, lovely, lovely wife, couple of kids, and then it all fell apart. It all fell apart for him. And then suddenly he has no wife. He has no kids. He has a big empty mansion with all these different rooms with stuff in it and himself to talk to. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. Right. I've just found it really sad. And I and I and I and I thought and I think to myself, I don't know about you, Alan, but I think to myself, I, I don't want to. Why would I want to live like a life like that? That just doesn't leave happiness. No, um, not at all, man. Not at all. Which is
0: which uh, is crazy. You're so, right. I mean, I've got a friend of mine who's, who was able to transition his whole business online and, and he's what he's done is he's terminated some leases on some of the properties that he held because he, where he had lots and lots of staff um and obviously it's been challenging because of the fact that you know staff has been laid off mm. um however you know he's been able to downsize in a lot of ways you know and it's uh it's you know it's just give him a lot of more a lot more freedom you know Definitely. so yeah we don't need all that stuff you know no. we we think we do and we we buy into the belief we need we need that stuff and then we've got this whole social media aspect of people portraying stuff you know you need this stuff you need this stuff mm. then we've got the advertising industry you know the marketing industry you know, if I, you know, buy this stuff and you'll feel better. Buy this stuff and you'll feel better. You know, drive this car and you can get that girl, you know? um, You know, it's, uh, yeah. It's, instant gratification drives me insane, man. Instant gratification is, is, is it's a cancer, man.
1: It's a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, such a funny, it's so funny. Um, Actually, do you know what, there's, um, I, I've been doing some market research over the last sort of two or three months, right? And especially with people going through challenging times right now, Alan, okay? And there's one thing that is really interesting right now, okay? Which yeah. is all around imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, you know, because a lot of the businesses that we are working with or, and continue to work with in need of support, um, they, ha- they went from thriving business to survival mode, like literally in less than a week. Uh, and probably same for you and, and helping and supporting your clients. Yeah. But in terms of imposter syndrome, how has it been created for a lot of people? And why is it that so many people feel that they're a fraud or they, this insecurity starts to come in? And, you know, even when we're going through challenging times like this, any tips or advice for people that are suffering from imposter syndrome?
0: Yeah. Um, I've suffered, I suffered with that for a while, a long time, actually. I um, actually got a very interesting story about that because. Um, and it's a story I tell from the stage often, you know, and, and, um, it's, uh, you know, I, I got to South Africa and, um, oh, I opened the blind and now suddenly the sun is streaming. (laughs) (laughs) through.
1: Now you've got this white face, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you can get some vitamin D anyway. That's all good. (laughs) uh, I
0: I got to South Africa in in November, 2001 with the intention of, of starting my, my coaching business there and my speaking business there because where I grew up and I knew that, um, South Africa was going through a massive transition, you know, um, Mandela, had, you know, recently only a few years before that become the president and several years before that, and there was loads of transition happening there. And also I knew that there would probably be, um, there would probably yeah, be a need for what I, what I had to offer out there in terms of mm-hmm. NLP and coaching. And, and there was, and when I got there, it was a fantastic opportunity because there was very little of it going on. And it was still in its very, very early stages. And I was able to have a great impact there. However, it's, the point I'm making is that I became very successful very quickly and I started making a lot of money very quickly, more money than I ever dreamed possible. The, uh, well, I used to dream about being a millionaire and I used to say to myself, right, when I read Think and Grow Rich, Adam, at 21, I said, right, I'm going to be a millionaire at 25. I'm going to be a millionaire at 30. I'm going to be a millionaire at 35 because I, I had to keep moving the goalposts right, because I didn't get there. And then I said, right, at 40. And then at 40, I was, I was a South African millionaire I was, and I was living in a beautiful house that was worth millions overlooking the sea. 180-degree sea view, golf course in the distance. You know, There was a river that ran, the Amgeni River that ran down into the sea. That was my beautiful vista every morning when I came out onto my deck. Beautiful rolling garden, swimming pool, yep. double car garage, beautiful cars, beautiful clients, you know, working with rugby players, top best rugby players in the world. And, uh, you know, all the top banks, all the top brands in South Africa, you know, big companies, Investec, you know, Barclays, Standard Bank, and, um and I wasn't happy, man. And, um, <laughs> and I had, and suddenly I had this feeling, oh my God, no, I mean, I, do, I deserve the success. And I had this, th- it was my very, my first, very real tangible experience of imposter syndrome. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, when I was standing in front of, you know, 30, 30 of the best rugby players in the world, you know, and teaching them, you know, performance psychology, you know, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, you know, like here I am, just this guy who's like, i got got a matric at school, I read a few books, went to a few courses and I'm getting paid all this money. i mean, like, and I remember thinking, shit, you know, what happens if they knew that I didn't really, that I don't really know, you know, that I've, I mean, I don't re- do I, I mean, do I qualify? <laughs> Am I worthy? You know, do I qualify to be in, st- in front of these champions? You know, these, these, these world champions, yeah. Um, eight Springboks in the rugby team at that time in the Natal Sharks, they were one of the best rugby teams in the world to this uh-huh. day still. And, um, and I helped them to go from the bottom of the log to, the, to, to second in the log the following season. And I was very proud of that. It was great for my careers in the paper. But I still do remember thinking, "Oh my god!" I used to run. I used to run out of my house every morning. I wake up in the morning, go out my house downstairs. I had my office under the house. Walk into my office and log into my computer and log into my bank account just to see if the money was still there. <laughs> I actually couldn't believe it, you know, every day. And I and I, I used to and I was and I, I did. I had this feeling. I thought, "Wow, I've got this imposter syndrome. I'm I'm feeling like I'm not worthy of this." And because of that, I made a couple of mistakes because of that feeling. I wasn't really conscious of it that, as conscious as I am now of it then, but I could see that what it was when it happened and, and, con, and the consequences of that. And I ended up losing everything, right? Everything. And in, in 2010, several years after that, after being really successful in South Africa and becoming what most people would call me Tony Robbins in South Africa, which I didn't really enjoy, but a part of me enjoyed it, but I didn't really enjoy it. Obviously I am one of Tony's trainers, Um, and that's something I like to do part time. You know, he's an amazing guy. I've learned so much from me. I mean, really, Tony's had a massive impact on me as a young man. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I've had lots of teachers and now I'm a teacher myself. Um, but I do see a lot of imposter syndrome and I had it myself. Now looking back, I can understand what it was. And you know, this question that you ask is so powerful because a lot of business people have it is, um, it's because of this lack of self worth. It comes down to that, you know. It's feeling like we're not worthy of success, feeling like we are not. We, we have this tremendous desire for success, mm-hmm. and we are taught to, that to have a desire. We say, you know, you must have desire, you must have belief, you must have drive, you gotta hustle, 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 <laughs> work your ass off, you know, become an entrepreneur. 5 a.m. club. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. 5 a.m. club, 4 a.m. club, 3 a.m. club, you know. <laughs> 24 hour club does this. <laughs> and, and, and people say, you know, they say when you go from working nine to five, 40 hours a week and you go to entrepreneur to working 18 hours every fucking day, uh, <laughs> excuse my French, but it's like that. And I did that, right? 16, 17, 18 hour days. Right. And, 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 and you say, you, you've got to do it right because you want the goal. But then eventually what happens is when you get there, And a lot of people get there and they think, Oh my God, am I worthy? Can I keep up? Can I keep up? Can I, can I uphold this? Can I uphold this persona, you know, this image? Um, Because there's this thing inside of us, you know, that we have to, we have, you know, Stephen Covey spoke about it. You know, Mm -hmm. I used to love Stephen Covey. Um, What a great teacher he was. And he came to South Africa several times. And uh, you know, that book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, such a powerful book. One of the most, it's still ranked on the top um, 100 best books of all time, Business books. And, it, and for a long time, it was at number 15. I don't know what it is now, but definitely one of the most powerful books ever written. Mm-hmm. And um, he used to say all the time, didn't he, to business people, he said, what are you doing every day to fill your own emotional bank account? You know, if you're not filling your own emotional bank account every day, then you're going to run out of energy and, you, and, and you're going to get to your goal and you're going to think something's missing. Yeah. Um, and, you're gonna, and then you're going to fall into the trap of, okay, let's set another goal. Uh, and then you're gonna, and then you get there again. It's okay. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I, I'm surrounded with people like that. I know so many people like that. Successful people. They successful, but on a Sunday afternoon, you know they 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 can't they can't relax. You know they they mm. twitching. You know they twitching. They 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 think okay, and and they, their belief system is okay. Cool. I just need to get into the office tomorrow morning. You know, but I won't wait
1: till tomorrow morning. Let me get in the office tonight. You know. You know, it's interesting we're talking about this because it it kind of reminds me a bit like me in a way. But I, it's not in a sense I'm a w- really self aware about about what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So you know, as you know, I used to be a former elite athlete, and so you know, my mindset has been conditioned in that way. Yeah. You know, athletes if they're not top performing or if they're not, I mean, we were talking. We had some. Uh, we've had some great shows on on the podcast, and we were talking about it with. Um, uh, Neil Fasci and Jonathan Horton who are double world champions and world record holders and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, we, you know, us athletes, and there are people in, you know, you guys that are listening right now, stop being so goddamn hard on yourself. Right. We yeah. have, a, um, we have a, a great Facebook group by the way, Alan. And, uh, and every Friday, one of the things that I put up every Friday is guys, what are your wins? What are you celebrating to say? I w- w- let's celebrate together. I think it's so important. Don't you think so? Absolutely, you got to celebrate the small wins. You got to—I tell people all the time—celebrate
0: the small wins, the smallest wins. Smallest wins. It's something simple, like waking up in the morning. Hallelujah! You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm awake. I'm alive. I woke up. I'm alive. You know what I mean? One of what I mean being alive is—is is just in the morning. You know what? I tell people, listen—if you woke up this morning, that's a celebration on its own because so many people don't wake up every morning. I mean, every morning, so many people don't wake up. Yeah. And and you know, you you talk about. I love the fact that you brought those people up though. You brought those names up because I've worked with a lot of top people too. And, um, and you know, Adam, um, I work with some of the Springbox, and, and one, and a few of them are still very good friends of mine. And, you know, it doesn't matter how successful somebody is, they've still got the same challenges, you know, Mm -hmm. and we, we forget that, you know, um, especially people who look up to people and say, wow, you know what I mean? That person, they must have everything going on. They must have it all right. They must, they must have it down, but without realizing that they also have the same challenges, that we all have with our psychology and with our emotions and with our, you know, and how we, you know, just being in relationships mm. um, with ourselves and other people. Um, you know, um, I was going to give you an example of someone. Oh yeah. I was uh, talking about a, a friend of mine rec- uh, recently, one of my, my Springbok friends of mine. And, uh, you know, he got to a point in his career where he, he had retired and um, he had got into a few businesses and invested some of his money that he had saved up over, over the years of playing rugby and made a lot of money. And invested in a few businesses and um and they went down south and uh tanked and and uh so he invested in a couple of others they went they tanked too and he got to a point where suddenly he was like he lost his confidence and he and he was he of having a nervous like and he was he felt like he was having a nervous breakdown and um he went through a period where he was really really down in the dumps and he called me one day um this is a couple of years ago and he said listen man i'm i'm just he said I'm, I'm panicking you know i'm having these panic attacks i'm waking up in the middle of the night and sweats and and he said, I've just lost my confidence. You know, I've invested so much money and it's just, I've lost money in so many different places. Mm. And I'm not sure what the hell to do with myself. Um, I'm not sure about the future. I've, you know, I've got, I don't even, you know, I, and he just, he said, this is very alien to me because, you know, because this is a guy who's had confidence his whole life, right? This is a guy who's played, you know, against the All Blacks, you know, against the Australians, against England, you know, in some of the biggest stadiums and some of the biggest amphitheaters of sport in the world. Mm. And won, you know, and, and, and won consi- and consistently. And um, I said to him, I said, man, just relax. You know, let's, let's just put it into perspective. I said, you are somebody who's got so much depth and wisdom and experience. I said, you need to start tapping into your internal wisdom, your internal experience. I said, you've, you've gone from rugby to business with very little training. I said, you know, you're, you, you've know, you got expert training as a rugby player and you can transition that training into business, but that's gonna take time. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of time. You, you know, you trying to, uh, you know, um, accelerate your, your success in business, very short period of time where you forget that you actually had 20 years of training in rugby, 25 years of training in rugby to get to the top. You haven't had 25 years of training in business. You've had a year or two or three or four, you know, and you've invested money in areas where maybe you didn't, you didn't do your due diligence. So he said, yeah, that's true. So I said, I said, well, let's talk about, let's think about what you can do going forward. I said, why don't you think about telling people your story? And he said, well, what do you mean? So I said, well, you're a Springbok, right? You're always going to be a Springbok. It's like you, right? Adam, you're a champion. You're always going to be a champion. You know, you mentioned those main names before. Those people are always going to be double world record holders. They're always going to have those medals. It doesn't matter what they do with the rest of their life. People are interested in that. They want to know how you got there. And like, what were the challenges? And I so I said the same thing to him. I said that people want to know about your challenges as a Springbok and what what it took to get there. And then." what are you going to do now going forward using that experience and so he's now become a speaker and um we just spoke the other day and he told me about a client that he just took on and they just asked him to come to come in every single month astrazeneca one of the biggest you know pharmaceutical companies in the world you know and uh, in south africa they've just hired him for 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 you know for ongoing 12 for 12 sessions and uh we're talking he was talking about like, what can i do And i've got one talk so i said well that's cool let's pledge it out right and you can you know, there's so many different things you could talk about 12 different things from one talk. Um, but that's what can happen. Right. And that, and, and, and I think that's a good thing for the listeners is to remember it doesn't matter how high you get in life. Everybody's got the same challenges. Everybody has the same challenges. And also it just reminds me of what I wanted to say when you mentioned imposter syndrome, I read Michael J. Fox's book, Adam, a number of years ago. What a great book and what a great guy. I mean, I've got goosebumps now. I mean, I remember Family Ties. Do you remember that show, by any chance? Family. Family Ties. I don't think I did. Was that? No, was I that... think you are a bit younger than me, right? Uh, um, just a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so, um, but as a, as a kid, I remember the show Family Ties, right, with Michael J. Fox. And it was hilarious. It was about a family and the relationships, you know, ongoing relationships in their, in their life. And it was aired you know, regularly. And uh, it was obviously an American show that was um, franchised all around the world. And uh, we had it in South Africa, and um, it was very popular. And uh, Michael J. Fox went from making audition calls from a tiki box with the quarters, you know, standing on a on, on a sidewalk in America with a bunch of quarters, phoning, you know, studios. Can I come for audition? Can I come for audition? And eventually, he was invited into Family Ties to do an audition, and and he became an overnight success. Wow. Overnight success. Fantastic. And he and he, he talks about it in the book from standing from going from standing in a in a tiki box with quarters. And watching the quarter pile go down, you know, and getting no after no after no. And then coming back the next day and doing it the next day to going to, to overnight living in a mansion with a Ferrari outside and with, you know, all this adoration, all this, all this love from all these strangers, you know, wherever he went, he was mobbed. Uh, he, in every home in America and probably around the world, every young teenage girl's fantasy was Michael J. Fox was on the wall, you know, in a poster. And then he talks about how this is what, this is what really blew me away. He talks about how throughout that whole process and the more successful he got, the more he got this, this inexplicable like fear. Like, and he kept saying to himself, his phrase was, I wonder when the, shoe, the other shoe is gonna drop. You know, and we know that phrase, right? The, I wonder when the other shoe will drop. It's kind of like things are going great, but I wonder when the other shoe will drop. It's like, when will the reality kick in and everything will disappear? You know, and when will the reality kick in and all the success, all this wonderful stuff will just disappear because mm-hmm. really, do I deserve it? You know, and I just thought that was fascinating. And then he talks about how when the other shoe dropped for him was when he got, when he was, when he was diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's and um, and how that began to affect his career. And uh, he's still a brilliant actor, actually. Um, you know, he, 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 he was, um, I saw him recently in, um, well, I was watching a show for a while series. I think it is, uh, it was, he was a lawyer. Um, and, and obviously his, his, um, you know, the Parkinson's was, was obvious. You can, you can see it, but, but he, he's, he's so good at the way he uses it, you know, and he's still such a brilliant actor, but isn't that interesting? You know, I just, that, that, that really affected me. I mean, and I remember Christopher Reeves, right? you Remember the original yeah Superman? Christopher Reeves? Absolutely. The original Superman, you know, and the same for him, for him, you know, um, became hugely successful, hugely popular, Everybody loved him. He was such a lovable man, such a last man. You know, Robin Williams was his best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another prime example. Um, You know, people who arrive at the top of their career, but still
1: something. It's like a disconnection, isn't it? A complete disconnection where where people are just not aware of what that disconnection is and how they can effectively overcome it, I guess, in a way, right? Yeah. but listen, I mean, this is, this is, we're having so much, so much fun on here. I, I mean, we could go on for, for, for hours. I, I hope you guys are getting some great content from me and Alan and uh, and the show today. Al, I know that um, I was going to say, I just wanted to ask you one last question, actually. What are you working on right now? I'd love to know because on, a, on a, you've been doing what you've been doing for like, <laughs> best part of 25 years or thereabouts. So I'd love to know what you're working on right now and how some of the listeners can connect with you. Oh, thanks, Adam. I appreciate that question.
0: Um, I, I, I've got a program called Awaken, and so um, for the last few years, I've been doing Awaken in different countries like Ukraine and Russia and Romania, uh, as well as London, obviously, um, where I live for the most part of my life. And um, I, however, I've, during this lockdown period, I thought, well, what can I do now? You know, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to travel because I'm always on a plane. You know, like you, I travel a lot internationally. I've got, you know, I do work all around the world. And uh, I thought, what can I do? I thought, well, I can still reach people through social media mm-hmm. and I've got a page and a YouTube channel and I've got a, um, you know, my Instagram, etc. and Facebook, I use a lot and I thought, well, well, what I can do is why don't I do my program online? So I thought, okay, the first thing I did is I thought I'll do a communication program. I did that for two days, two whole days on communication. And that was awesome. And then I did my awaken program online for the first time, two days. And so I've done it a few times now. I'm doing it this weekend, actually, funny enough, for the, th- cool. for the third time or the fourth time. <laughs> so my, my, what I'm currently working on now is um, I have a program called Awaken, and what it is is it allows people to really understand what's driving them deep down, and also how can they align themselves with their own true north. Mm. And I, I like to use that phrase a lot. I say to people like, have you found your own true north? Because we all have our own true north, and we'll never truly be happy until we truly find our own true north, and that means we can align with our own true purpose. I get a lot of people in my workshops, I don't know if you probably get the same thing in your talks where you ask people... How many of you have found your purpose? And very few people have found their purpose. I say, well, how many of you are still looking for your purpose? You're not sure what it is yet, and everyone's hand goes up. And um, so my program, Awaken, is really just about helping people to find their true purpose, to align themselves with their true north. Mm -hmm. In other words, to understand, uh, for 21 years now, I've been studying spiritual psychology. And so I use spiritual psychology in business, I use it with Springbok rugby players, I use it everywhere I go. And really it's about helping people to understand you know the connection between mind body and spirit and you've got to have you got to have that connection it's got to be healthy because if you are not healthy in all three areas then at some point you are going to hit the wall yeah. and it's going to show up in a very it could show up as cancer you know it could show up as heart disease it could show up as a car accident it could show up in so many different ways mm. um, and I like to talk about in business with people and in this program awaken how we think things happen accidentally or haphazardly without realizing that we are literally manifesting every experience that we have and we manifest it for a deeper reason and we need to understand what that is. And so that's what I'm working on currently is is bringing my Awaken program to more and more people online until we can get it back to offline next year, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully soon. Um, (laughs) I don't know if events will ever be the same. I think the (laughs) online experience is here to stay, which is amazing. Yeah, Adam, I love it. I've been able to reach... You know, about 85,000 people from about 85 countries over the last, you know, 12 weeks, you know, from the comfort of a beanbag and a, and a screen, you know, and a phone
1: um,
0: and a Zoom, using Zoom, which is awesome. Um, and I, I think I'll continue to do the online experience. That's, i enjoy it. But I love, I love, I love being in a group of people. I love being in a room with people. I love the connection. Yeah. And um, so that's what I'm working on currently. Thank you, my man.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. So what um, I was going to say, guys, um, I hope that you have got some awesome content and uh, some breakthroughs from today. I hope that your notebooks have now been filled up with awesome notes and uh, you've got some breakthroughs. So um, Alan, just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you having me, man. It's been great to connect with you. Thank you, my man. So good. I've been
0: sure- for a while. JP told me so many great <laughs> things about you. So, uh, and looking at your website,
1: I thought, wow, it's going to be a great conversation. One hundred percent, and and it has been. I have to admit, it has been. So, um, guys, listen. Um, I was going to say, please do check out uh, Alan's um, social media handles below and feel free to connect with him. Just make sure that you say that you've listened to us on the Game Changers experience so he knows where you've come from. But listen, from me and Alan, I hope you have a fantastic day, week, month. Whenever you're, you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, have a fantastic day. See you soon. Take care. Have a good one. Bye bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much